0: Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Orange Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life, and I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. There we go. Developing my talents on, in the field of art, Going into full-time evangelistic work. And so in 1896, Judson Van DeVenter wrote a song. That song is called, I Surrender All. You've probably heard it before. The lyrics go like this. I thought about singing it together, but instead I'm just going to read you the lyrics. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender Humbly at His feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender all. Here's the question. Romans chapter 12 starts with a pretty challenging passage. Romans chapter 12 is after all of the theological teaching. You see, you have... Really, chapters 1-11 through 11, that talk about the theology of the book of Romans. The fact that all men were lost, chapters 1-3. through 3, That you need faith to be saved, chapter 4. And it's not a faith that acts in the same way as Abraham, but it's the same type of faith. It's a faith that is willing to sacrifice everything for your salvation. Like Abraham was willing to sacrifice everything to move. He was willing to sacrifice his son on the altar and so forth. So you need faith like Abraham. And chapters 5 through 8 talk about the freedom that's in Christ. Once you're in Christ and you've been baptized into the body of Christ and now you have the remission of your sins, it talks about the freedom, the the wonderful, loving freedom that you experience. And then 9 through 11 talks about how the Jews forgot about that. They were looking for this. They were searching for it. They were waiting for it for for 1,500 years. And it came and it sat right in front of them and the man named Jesus and they never did anything with it. Chapter 12 is where the, where the application starts. And so I just want to read to you the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, he gets done with all this theology, and he writes chapter 12. And he essentially says this, because of the fact that you're lost, or you were lost outside of Christ, and you have faith in Jesus Christ, and you are in Christ and now you have this freedom that we've talked about and because you've accepted Christ outside of what the Jews were doing because you saw the truth when the Jews missed it and you accepted it when they rejected it because of all that here's what it takes it takes surrendering everything your passions your likes your your desires your life your future I think sometimes we take Christianity and we put it on as a tagline instead of making it our entire lives. When you become a Christian, your life now becomes Jesus Christ. Your, all of your plans are subject to change. 2009, this, this past week was, was very eye-opening to me. One of my best friends moved to Denver, Colorado, to do the thing that he and I grew up dreaming about doing. Last week I talked about the, how providence works and how I met a friend down the street who had a trumpet. And that trumpet led me to learn how to go to Jacksonville to learn the gospel and so forth. The reason why I was at Jacksonville is because me and my friend Joey decided from the time that we were in sixth grade, we are going to do this forever. We didn't know how to play those trumpets. We didn't know what it was. But we decided that was going to be our job. We were going to figure out how to make it work. And this past week, he moved to Denver to become a band director and do exactly what he and I had been talking about doing for our entire lives. The problem was in 2009, a guy named Dalton taught me the gospel, and that means that your plans change sometimes. You see, when you become a Christian, your entire life changes, your plans change, the way you look at the world, the way you think about the world, the way you think about your desires and your your likes and your preferences completely changes. And so in Romans chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the fact is that um, when you surrender all, like Judson Van DeVenter did in 1896, when he decided, I'm going to use my talents to write songs to help people learn the truth about the Bible. He wrote this song. It wasn't just a song. You know, some songs... You write and, well, people, right? I've never written a song. Um, I think my song would probably make it to the billboard top. Ain't nobody going to listen charts. But anyways, um, you know, some songwriters write songs and they'll, they'll sell them out, right? You write a song, you might sell it to some big name person. And that big name person has no, no link to that song. Judson Van Deventer wrote that song, I Surrender All, Because because it was his life now. He decided, I am going to surrender everything and I'm going to use my talents and my abilities for evangelism. And I think that's something that we need. You see, the fact is that doing this, giving giving your all, surrendering your all to Jesus, um, it does something. It gives you a few things. And, and I want to talk about those things really quickly. Number one, it gives you patience. James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes that are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brothers. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have a perfect work. When you are patient, when you obey the Gospel, and you follow the Scriptures, and you are focused on Jesus Christ... When you hit these, as James calls them, various trials. You're going to have patience. Not only because you aren't focusing on them so much. We'll talk about that in just a second. But mainly, mainly because you know, well, and this is not really that much when you consider that Jesus died on a cross. It's not really that much when you consider what Paul went through. Or what Peter went through, you know I, I wish that we had an account we have an account of some of the persecutions that Paul went through in the book of Acts the latter half and in 2 Corinthians eleven I wish we had I wish we had an account of what Peter went through because a lot of times Peter is forgotten about when it comes to persecution and suffering for the cause of Christ. Tradition says that Peter was sacrificed was not sacrificed was crucified upside down because They wanted it to be more tortureful. There's this this idea that he requested, that Peter requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be like Christ. Y'all ever heard that? Here's the real reason. When the Romans really hated you, they put you upside down because it made it worse. They're not going to give Peter a request to be crucified upside down because they don't care who Peter is. They don't care what he he cares about. They want him to be humiliated like they humiliated Jesus Christ. They're not going to give him his answer. The reason why it happened to Peter is because they wanted it to be more painful. I wish we had an account of what Peter had had to go through in the years prior to his death. Because I I think oftentimes we think that Paul is some super Christian when he wasn't. He had miraculous power, sure. He was an apostle, sure. But Paul wasn't some super Christian. He was one of us. He was just like you and me. He had a job to do, and he did it with everything that it took. And it ended up taking his life. And so when Paul writes it in Romans 12, it, it gives a little more kick to it. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's writing it because he's about to do that. Just a few years after he writes this book, that's what he does. He writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, and he says that he is ready to be poured out like a drink offering. He's ready to die. He's ready to his life to be poured out on the ground and wasted. Because it means that if if that happens, it means that my life has actually been purposeful. I wish people... I wish more people understood that when you sacrifice and you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are both wasting it and making it mean something. You know, the atheist has a problem. Not only the scientific arguments that they make are not valid. The atheist has a problem with his life means absolutely nothing. But a Christian's life means something gives purpose gives meaning to life number 2 when you give your all to Jesus it gives you a backbone second corinthians chapter 4 turn to second corinthians chapter 4 very quickly second corinthians chapter 4 verse number 8 Well, verse number 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have the treasure of the Scriptures in mankind. What that means is at this point they have the knowledge of the Scriptures in mankind because the Bible hadn't been finished yet. But what it means to us is let me just ask you a question. Why did God put so much emphasis on us in the plan of salvation? I mean, first off, He could have made you and I obey the Gospel. He could have, but He didn't. He doesn't make you do anything. But I'm not talking about just that. Why, did, why didn't God set it up to where when you were born, you just knew the truth? But instead, what has to happen is one of us has to go and take it to the person, right? Why, why, didn't he sur- why didn't He go around us? He put so much emphasis, so much trust in us, who, let's, fr- let's admit it frankly, uh, we don't do our job most of the time. He put so much faith in us when He could have done it Himself. We hold this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven uh, to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always being driven or being given over sorry to death for Jesus sake So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. I'm just going to be honest with you here. If I were Paul, I probably would have given up a long time before that. By the time he writes those words he has been second corinthians 11 he has been beaten and homeless and poor and had people that he thought were on his side stab him in the back he's had he's had his family desert him he's walked thousands of miles so that he could teach people the gospel and While he's walking those thousands of miles, people have come up and robbed him. When he got to the people that needed the gospel and they heard it, they turned their backs on him. If I were Paul, I would have given up a long time before that. But he didn't. Why? Because he had given his entire life to Jesus Christ. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. He'd given everything to him, And when you do that, it gives you a backbone. And I, I, this is just me, but I think one of the things that Christians need the most today is a backbone. We are so terrified of everything. We're terrified of offending people. We're terrified of what may happen if someone gets elected. We're terrified of what happens if this law passes or that law passes. What happens if this happens or what happens if that happens? We're so scared. Paul said, I, I, this, it doesn't really matter to me. I've given my life to Christ and I have a backbone because of it. And I think some of us, all of us, need backbones sometimes. And the only way to get them is to do what Paul did, which is go through it and make it out on the other side. You know why James says that, that this surrendering to Jesus gives you patience, let patience have its perfect work? You know why he says that? Because when you've made it through it once, you can say, I can make it through it again. In fact, Paul says that at the end. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is renewed day by day. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians four eighteen. I, even though my body has stripes on it because I've been beaten with the 40 stripes, save one of the Jews, which means, you see, the Jews were so spiritual and so righteous So. Such righteous people that when they had the ability to strike you 40 times, they didn't want to sin, and so they, they hit you 39 times in case they accidentally miscounted once. And it had happened over and over and over again to Paul. Even though my body is showing the signs of my faith, my inward man is renewed day by day because I know that I made it through it once. I can make it through it again. Jesus made it through. Paul made it through. Peter made it through, which means I can make it through. Number one... Surrendering everything to Jesus gives you patience. It gives you backbone. Number three, it makes your future look bright. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he, He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Because now I know, now I know, I can see what it really matters. What really matters. I can see what the future holds. I don't know exactly what the future holds. But I know that if I just keep putting one foot in front of the other then I'll be okay. I don't know how I'll be okay. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But I do know that at the very end, I have someone waiting on me who has something prepared for me. Number one, it gives you patience. Number two, it gives you a backbone to be willing to stand up when something needs to be done. Number three, it makes it to where when you have that backbone and you stand up, you know that it's going to be okay. Number four, Giving yourself to Jesus leaves a legacy. Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37. Joseph, who was surnamed Barnabas, had a lot. He sold it and he brought it to the apostles' feet. He laid it down. He laid the money at the apostles' feet. We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to belabor the point. but, But Barnabas is a Levite, which means he's not supposed to own land at all. His, someone in his family was gifted land. It was against the law for him to purchase land. So someone in his family was gifted land and it was passed down from generation to generation. We don't know when it was there. We don't know how long when it was done. We don't know how long his family owned it. We don't know even where it was. But he's not supposed to have it, but he does, which means it means something to him. A Levite, to have land in that time, is, it's important. It's not like you can just go and call Mike and he'll find you a nice house. If you're a Levite in that time, you don't have land. And he has finally gotten it, which means he's able to have a house for his family to live in. And he says, I don't need this as much as the church needs the money. He sells it and he gives it to the fellow Christians. Giving your everything to Jesus means that you have patience. It gives you a backbone. It lets you see that it's going to be okay. It makes the future bright. And last but not least, it gives you a legacy. Barnabas' legacy was that he was going to take that land and pass it to his son's. And then they would pass it to their sons. And they would pass it to their sons. God only knows how long that land was going to be in his family's possession. And instead, he sold his legacy and laid it at the feet of the apostles and gave the money to fellow Christians who needed it the most. And to everyone on the planet, Barnabas just got rid of his legacy. Except... 2,000 years later, we're reading about a man who gave everything he had for the cause of Christ. A lot of times Christians are focused on their legacy here. I need to work. I need to make sure that my family is taken care of because I want to leave something for my family in the future. And in doing so, we sacrifice our legacy that we could be leaving for fellow Christians for thousands of years. In my office, I have two blue books. They are the biography of a man you've probably never heard of. His name was Ira Rice. You've never heard of Ira, right? Has anybody ever heard of Ira, Brother Rice? I met his wife, his widow, one time. One time. She gave me those books. And that's the last time I ever heard about him, about her. Sorry, last time I ever saw her. Ira Rice was a missionary. And to the world, his legacy is whatever he left to his kids, which wasn't much because he's a missionary. And two blue books with eagles on them that sit in offices of preachers all over the United States who know Brother Ice or have heard of Brother Ice, who know of what he did. And to the world, his legacy is a biography that sits on a shelf that I will be honest with you, it's two books. They're about that thick. I read half of one. and I didn't read any of the other one. To the world, his legacy are two books that sit on shelves that never get read. But what about the people that he taught the Gospel to? The thousands that he taught the gospel to. To them, his, his legacy means everything to them. And when you give everything to Jesus Christ, your legacy may not mean anything to the world. It may not mean that you, you leave, you know, a nice shotgun for your grandkids. What it does mean is that the people that you had an influence on, your legacy means everything to them. I'm going to leave you with this. In Romans chapter 12, well, let's just turn back over there. In Romans chapter 12, it is easy to assume that what it is talking about is simply a mentality. I mean, that's what we've talked about today. But I just want to read the passage again to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Drop down to verse number nine. In the same context, let, you, let your mind be conformed, transformed, sorry, to the renewal of Jesus Christ. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Verse number nine, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. That's the definition of what it means to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Love one another. Show honor to one another. Outdo one another in showing honor to one another. Don't be slothful. Rejoice. Pray. Take care of people in need. And show hospitality. All of those are actionable. All of those are things that we actually do because we have given everything. Everything. Which means Romans 12 is not talking about some mentality that we have when we're in church and we feel real good about ourselves and then we go out in the week and we forget about church because it's not church day. What Romans 12 is talking about is that your life, every action that you can ever think of, every action that you can ever think of falls into one of those categories. You're either taking care of somebody. Well, you know, I work at blank... Company. I work at a. I don't think we have anybody. I work at a gas station. I don't think we have anybody that works at a gas station. If I'm, if if we do, I'm not trying to point you out. I work at a gas station. my 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 job doesn't have any bearing on people. I can't use my job to help people. Yes, you can. Do you know that at the corner of Schaumburg and Warm Springs Road there is a Circle K? And just about five or six times a week, I go into that. Don't tell Becca. I go into that Circle K. And I get a drink because, you know, their drinks are super cheap. Hopefully she speaker's not on in the nursery. Anyways, um, about five or six times a week I go in there and I get a drink. You know, I can be having the worst day ever, but there is a girl who works there that every time I see her, she makes me smile. Because She makes a joke or, you know, does something funny. or You know that your job, your physical job, regardless of how meaningless you think it is to the well-being of other people, do you know that your job is an extension of showing hospitality? Do you know that your job is an extension of your Christianity? I don't care if you work at a gas station, a Fortune 500 company, if you're a teacher or you're a preacher. We all have the same job. And that is to use our lives to teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what showing hospitality is. You use niceness to show people the gospel. Everything you ever do falls into the category of Romans chapter 12. Whether it's your job, whether it is evangelism, whatever it is. It's your family, whatever it is. It all falls into the category of give your lives, give your entire self, give your body as a sacrifice to Jesus Christ. Because everything that we do has a bearing on someone else's obeying the gospel. and I think it's important for us to remember that. And if we do it, we'll have patience. When tough times come, we'll be okay. We'll have the foresight to know that our hearts have been enlightened. We, we see the end of, result of everything. We may not know how we're going to get there, but we know where we're going. You'll have backbone to stand up and say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. you'll know that you have a legacy worth everything. If you need to become a Christian, we're going to stand and sing a psalm encouragement for you. If you're ready to become a Christian through baptism, you're ready to surrender your entire lives to Jesus, just know this, it's not easy. And it's going to take you being willing to change everything if it takes it. But if you're willing to do that and you're willing to be baptized, we're willing to help you with that. Gary's going to lead us in a song as we stand and let us know while we do that.